Oh, John chapter 8, John chapter, chapter 8. Uh, they just didn't get it in this passage. They didn't get it as often as he said it, as Jesus said it, they didn't get it. Our text is again John chapter 8. Last week we explained that whole context, if you will, of, of John chapter 7, if you remember that, uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, um, the journey. The Jewish people had every year as they made their way to, in the fall of the year, uh, this is uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, one of three major feasts. They were to go to Jerusalem or bring their branches or something uh, to be able to create some sort of a, uh, something like a tent or some sort of a hut, uh, uh, a booth. Uh, they called it sometimes also the Feast of Booths. Uh, um, and then in the midst of that, there, let's remember what it was like to be in the wilderness for 40 years and to have to wander through. And, and in that feast, uh, two major images over and over and over and over, uh, images of water. If you're thirsty, I've, I've got something for you to drink. And then images of light in chapter 7. And Jesus comes in that same context. And I love the phrase here in verse number 12, once Again, it says um, in John chapter 8, verse 12, once again, Jesus spoke to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then you have verse number 13, the Pharisees challenging them and they say, here you are appearing as your own witness your testimony is not valid. Now, stop just there for a minute. I've just got to run that by you one more time. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, he says, you're not going to be walking in darkness anymore. In fact, you're going to live and you're going to have, you're going to just, you're going to have all of this life that in you. Okay, so, and they, they look at him and they say, well, you can't say that. You don't have enough witnesses. Now, Jesus kind of was like, what, what do you mean that I can't say that? I don't have enough witnesses. We, we have been through this before. If you remember back in chapter 5, um, you already, you know, you know he, he already, or they already made that accusation against Jesus, and you know, there aren't not a number of uh, enough witnesses, and nobody can be their own judge, their own witness. You, you have to have at least two. We know that, right? And so in chapter 5, he gives them five, if you count that, five, five different people who testify of him. But now he comes back and he says again, he says, I am the light of the world. And they say, you can't say that. See, they don't get it. No matter what he tries to communicate to them, they just don't get it. I am the light of the world, he says. They just don't get it. Here they are in this midst of this feast, the Feast of the Tabernacles, and sitting all around them are all these enormous torches, um, one man estimates that they could have been maybe as, possi uh, maybe as possibly as high as 75 feet uh, tall. I, I, I don't know how big they were, but there were a, a bunch of them in the courtyard all around the temple uh, grounds, and they had these huge torches, and, and they would be burning day and night. I mean, so it, it's quite the, quite the picture. It's quite the, uh, uh, the, uh, the image that you would have in your mind as you see all that, that place just lit up like that. One rabbi says that, that you, or said that you could, you could see their light in the courtyard of every house in Jerusalem. 
Jesus stands at the base of those great lamps, reminding them of, his, of this incredible experience that they had out in the desert with God 1,400 years prior to that. And he says to them in the midst of that, he says, I am the light of the world. And they say, you can't say that. They, they just don't get it. Maybe, maybe if we read on just a little bit further, they, they, might, re, they might recognize that, do you suppose? Uh, let's just try. Let's look at verse number 14. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is, is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. Verse 15, you judge by human standards, I pass judgment on no one. But if, you do, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Verse 19, then they asked him, where is your father? Jesus replied, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. You can't say that, they're saying, because you don't have enough, uh, you don't have enough uh, witnesses. Uh, look at verses 16, verse 18. It's, it, it is so specific. He says, the father. Not a father, not my father, not your father, the father. Both times, very specific. Uh, my witness is born by the father. Now, they've been over this territory before, right? And here they come. Who, who's your dad? I'm, I'm talking about the father. Uh, who'd you say your dad was? Uh, they just don't get it. Uh, chapter, chapter 2, he talks about being sent from the father's house. Uh, chapter 3, he calls himself the one and, uh, and only son of the Father. In chapter 4, we worship the Father, he says in chapter 4. Uh, we worship him in spirit and truth. I, he says, I do the works of the one who sent me. In chapter 5, he says, if you know the Father, you know me. The Father works, the Son works. Uh, four or five times in chapter 5, he identifies himself as the Son of the Father. And then in chapter 6, the Father puts his approval on, in his son. Uh, my father, he says, gives you bread. In chapter 7, it says that God sent, he says, God sent me. I mean, I don't know how many times that he can say this. I am the son of the father. And, and, and what do they want to know? They, where are you from? Who's your dad? Because they don't get it. You don't know the father. You don't know me. Or, or maybe vice versa. If you, if you don't know me, you obviously, you, you don't know me. You obviously don't know the father. Because if you knew me or if you knew the Father, you'd know that, that we're related to one another. But they don't get it. And so in verse number 21, once more, you've got to love this here. Once more, let's try this one more time. We're going to do this again. So verse 21, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And then verse 22, this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? Now, I look at this and I see the connection here just as plain as day. I mean, don't you? He says, you will look for me. You will die in your sins. Uh, you is, and they ask, is he going to kill himself? I, I don't know how they got from you to him. 
he could be as plain as he could possibly be, and they just can't figure this out here. But one more time, let's just try it. I'm, I'm going to run this by you again. It's almost exactly word for word what he said in chapter 7 and verse 34, that he's going to return to the one who sent me. I'm going to go back to the one who sent me. It's, what this is all about, it's all about his mission. It's all about the things that he has done. God had sent him here, and they want to know, are you going to commit suicide? They, they're missing it. They just don't get it. And, and so in verse number 23, we'll just keep trying, but he continued, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. I know that you can kind of see that little highlighted part there. Some of you, if you're reading in an NIV a little bit here, I, I really have no idea where they came up with that, that little phrase right there. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the original Greek. Uh, somebody on a committee someplace wanted to, I, I think, I think they tried to decide to make Jesus just a little bit clearer. Um, so I, I just don't know where they get all of that. Uh, you don't get much clearer than this. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. It's pretty important. He says, verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. You will indeed die in your sins. And their response is, who are you? Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. Verse 26, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Now here's the contrast. <laughs> We're from down here. He's from up there, right? Uh, we're from this world. He's not. And he comes along with this profound statement in this text here. He says it in verse number 12. He says it in verse number 16. He says it in, in verse number 18. Uh, verse 23, and then he says it again in verse number 24. He uses that phrase. Now, we've been over this a little bit before. But he uses that phrase, I am. I am. Say that once. I am. And so I want to just push the pause button here just for a moment, just for a second, and we're going to go back 1,400 years to the setting just prior to this feast or what caused this feast to be held in the first place. Israel is in Egypt. We've heard the story. They're making bricks so that Pharaoh can have a new home. They're in trouble. God wants them in the promised land. And so he appears to a man by the name of Moses in a burning bush, and he says, Moses... I want you to go and I want you to set my people free. And Moses, in the midst of saying a lot of other things, and we know the story, or at least some of us do, in the midst of saying a lot of other things, he says, whom shall I send me? Who, who shall I say sent me? Do you remember that? You tell them, he says, that I am sent you. Now that became such a significant word. Israel, so significant that Israel would not even say it. Um, they would run across this phrase, I am, in the text. And they didn't even say the word. It was so significant a word. They'd give it other vowels so that they could pronounce it Adonai, the, 
the, the, uh, the consonance of that word was something, well, they would come up, come to this word, they, they, they didn't know how to, to, to really, to pronounce it, if, I guess. Most people would suggest Yahweh, or maybe more of Yahweh, Yahweh. And they would come to that in the text, and they would look at it, and they would not, they, they added, they took out the vowels, they put different vowels in there, and it became Adonai. And so if you look in your Bibles and you, and you, in the Old Testament and you see Lord in all capital letters, they actually have a small caps on the, on the O-R-D, right? You familiar with what I'm saying? L-O-R-D, it's not just L with a small O-R-D, because there were some that would talk about there is a Hebrew word for Adonai or, or, or Lord or, um, uh, in the Psalms and things like that. But if you see it at all in caps, that's this word, Yahweh, the Lord. Uh, or, or Yahweh, uh, God, I mean. And, and they would put vowels on it, different vowels on it. And so when they actually come across it, instead of saying Yahweh, they would say Adonai. Because they were afraid to say his name, because they were afraid that they didn't want to say it wrong. They didn't want to say it, they didn't want to use it or mispronounce it. They, they, were, they held it in that kind of esteem. They'd come to that in the text and they'd say Lord, because they didn't want to say it. And they knew that when, they, when you saw that phrase, I am in the text of Scripture, that really meant God, right? I mean, you know, God. I mean, the, the frailty of our English language is that we don't have another word, and so that, so that you, you get an impression that we're talking about, about God, right? I, I don't know how else to do it other than to say it out loud, Right? We're talking about here the creator of the universe and Jesus comes along and in this text he says, if you don't believe that I am, and everybody's antennas just went right up there, then you're going to die in your sins. He is making an absolute claim right here in this text. I am God. Believe that or forget it. That's what he says. And they say, who are you? They don't get it. They, they can't figure it out. You know, I, I have to tell you, it's kind of disturbing to me as I watch news, I see headlines, I see all around us how Christians in this country are really losing their voice. I mean, slowly but surely, this basic freedom of ours, this freedom of religion, I think it's being taken away from us. It shows up in courtrooms. We see it in our schools. We see it in the workplace. We see it in our communities. I mean, there's, in some places you can't even pick up a, you can't even put up a Christmas tree or, or wear a cross around your neck or have some sort of a, a, of a, a religious symbol sitting on your desk for fear that somebody might be offended. It's absolutely disturbing me. And, and what's more disturbing is it seems to me that since 9-11 in our country, well, even before that, I guess. Um, but it has, it, it just seems to have progressed a lot in the past uh, 16 years. But it, it appears to me that our country has gone way out of its way to be accepting of or to be tolerant of, 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 of uh, 
you know, like the Islamic faith, and, and, and there's, this, there's this pluralistic attitude that we have that says, you know, that they have their faith, we have ours, and, and, and that's all right, because after all, all of our paths, all of them lead to God, is what they would say. And, and I look at the church, and I wonder, you know, how should we respond to that? How should we, in fact, respond? How should, should we respond to, to Muslims in this country on, and, and all around the world? And I, I believe that we need to be, well, actually, I believe that we ought to be praying for them. I certainly don't think that as a church that we ought to be treating them with hatred. And right now, with, with tensions just rising every single day, I believe that we need to be on our knees more fervently in praying for people around us. And that is because if they die, they're going to face God unprepared. And it sounds ter terribly judgmental. I know it does. And, and to be quite honest with you, it is. But if I understand this verse here correctly, this verse here says you either, have, you either believe that Jesus is God or you die in your sins. And my understanding of Islam is that they don't believe that Jesus is God. Now, they're not the only ones, right? Our, our Mormon friends do, that, do not believe that Jesus is God, and nor do atheists, nor do... Uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God. The, there are secularists, uh, secularists on, on our university campuses, yeah, you know, the ones who say, you know, don't let your faith interfere with government and, or the social issues. It will only stop progress. You know, keep your faith to yourself. Keep it separate. And it becomes this fundamental uh, question, is Jesus really, truly, I am? Because if he is, and you don't believe that, then you're going to die in your sin, it says. And so the only thing that I can think of to do is just to try to convince people that they have to accept that fundamental truth. It isn't enough to believe in Jesus as if he's a nice guy. We talked about that in Sunday school. A lot of people in our world, practically, even, even though we would say it differently, they just think Jesus was a nice guy. It's not enough to believe that. It's, it's, it's not enough to believe that, that he was just one of the prophets. It's not enough to believe that he was the greatest man who ever walked on the face of the earth. It's not enough to believe that he was a great miracle worker. It's not enough to believe even that he was the Son of God. You must believe that when Jesus says, I am, he is equating himself with God himself. And that's really the bottom line. And they say, now, who are you? They just don't get it. And so, well, well that's the word in it. That, that's the word in the text, by the way. I love it. So, let's try it one more time. Let's go, let's go for it here. He says in verse number 27, I mean, they don't understand. Verse 28, I mean, so... Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. There was something about the cross, there was something about the resurrection experience that was going to point clearly to the fact that Jesus was I am. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, he says, you're going to know that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The, the one who sent me is, is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Three times 
in the Gospel of John. The resurrection appearance. This lifting up imagery is used. We saw it in, in back with Nicodemus uh, when he's having this private conversation in the garden with uh, Nicodemus. He says, you know, just like Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's this cross imagery. We see it right here. He just simply says, when you see the Son of Man lifted up, you will know that I am. And then we, he says it in chapter 12, but he says it this way. He says, it is absolutely mandatory that the Son of Man be lifted up. Something about the cross is supposed to convince us that Jesus is himself God. And, and, and verse 30 comes along and says that, that some believed. Back in, in chapter 7, after he told them about the water of life, the text says that some believed. I mean, they finally got it. But for the most part, they didn't get it. And the question really for us today is, do you, do I, do we get it? Believe that Jesus is God and live. Fail to believe that and you die in your sins. He says, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will have life. They didn't get it. Do you? Let's pray. Father, we want to, we want to get it. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's, we know that. It's hard to believe that this one that we've never met personally is, is you and you came in human form and lived among us and you died for us and, and you offered us life. We want to believe that, and, we, and, and so we just come. We come to, to encounter Jesus and, again, be presented with who he is and that, that you and he are one and then that we know, when we know you, we know him. When we know the Son, we know the Father. When we know him, you, we know you. It's, uh, we come to you. We come to this great I am this morning. in search of life. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together today. Mm -hmm.